Welcome back to another episode of Summoner's Corner. We are on episode 9. As always, I'm your host, Will. I'm joined by my co-host, Josh. How's it going? Hey, what's going on? Uh, regular season, or spring split, is done. Yeah, final week. Uh, last few games are in the book. If it, it feels like it, it feels like it just started. This went by so fast. It really did. Um, yeah, we have uh, our playoff, or as they're calling it now, MSS bracket locked in. We'll uh, we'll get into that in the episode. We're gonna go over some of the final games played of the spring split. So let's jump right into it. So, this was quite the eventful uh, weekend overall. We had like quite a few upsets and stuff that happened. Um, starting it right off, Friday, very first game, Cloud9 versus CLG. And somehow, CLG gets the win. Yeah, this was an underdog performance for sure. Uh, this has to be the upset of the week right here. Without a doubt. I mean, CLG has, uh, they're not anymore, but they've looked like the weakest team through most of this split. Um, and obviously, Cloud9 has looked like the strongest. I think a lot of this is actually CLG's ability, and I'm, I'm going to say, like, proficiency at this point with running double ADC comp. Yeah, they've looked really, really clean with it. Uh, I think a big part as well is Smoothie within these double ADC comps. Um, we talked about it before with him more playing around Poe Belter and Lucian than playing like with Wild Turtle. And, and we see again here, Wild Turtle is on uh, Tristana, who has the rocket jump and the uh, her ultimate. I can't recall what it's called. Buster Shot? Uh, but having safety there, yes, Buster Shot. Um, but have, having those uh, tools to stay safe, last time that this happened... Uh, or last time we talked about it, at least, it was with the Zaya, who's also a very safe ADC, who is able to keep herself alive. Um, and it allows Smoothie to play around Poe Belter. And, I mean, we see it again here. He goes 6-1-7. and seven. He was massive for them. He has looked really, really good on these ADCs mid. Yeah, it definitely raises questions to what that whole, like, benching him for a while thing was. I mean... He's clearly showing he should be a starting player within this roster. He's arguably looked like their best player. Yes, I, I would give him that, absolutely. I've been largely unimpressed with uh, Finn and Broxa. Uh, Broxa obviously coming in partway through the split, but still, like... I mean, he, he played Nidalee. He was on Nidalee duty for most of the weekend, right? Yeah. I, I, don't, I don't see how that's conducive to winning even in this game i'm not a huge fan of the nidalee pick overall i think it really relies similar to talia it really relies on having like hard cc to set you up because if you miss the spear you kind of just have to walk away <laughs> like you can't do anything past that yeah and you know looking even inside their team comp and i think this is why maybe they're not having consistent success uh looking at how they build here right they have what two hard stuns I, I guess nautilus counts for like multiple but really you're only going to get like the one to two second stun on a target with nautilus that's the thing right like it's it's still pretty much one target because like the second quote-unquote stun is your auto attack um obviously once you get six you've also got the ultimate which you can split it up and stuff but 
yeah, I mean, really, the only hard CC you have is coming out of Smoothie. Uh, Finn has the E, obviously, on Irelia, but that's not the easiest thing to land all the time. Uh, like, it's not a guaranteed stun. It's more of a follow-up stun, I think. Whereas Nautilus, like, it's pretty easy to hit a hook. Yeah, exactly. I will say, you mentioned you haven't been super impressed by Finn. I think um, the only time that I've been, like, disappointed in his play is uh, that one game, I want to say it was against TSM, where they were up, like, 6k gold for most of it, and he just wouldn't group and team fight for some reason and just kept split-pushing. It was, like, really early on. It was, like, week two, I want to say. I, I remember the game you're talking about. Yes. I, I think it was on Camille, and he just refused to group. Yeah. Yeah. Otherwise, though, I've actually been pretty happy with Finn's play. Um, I know neither of us ranked him very high, but uh, and something that I had mentioned when we were going over our top lane rankings last week is I feel like Licorice is one that we've probably undervalued just because the team isn't performing well and stuff. I think Finn falls into that category as well. Um, this is a guy that's actually like pretty much at the very least going even in lane. Um, but his team is shit, which makes it really hard <laughs> for him to do anything after that. Uh, but we're also seeing him like win lane a decent amount of the time, I feel. And in their wins, I feel like he's had a, a pretty solid impact in those as well. I, I've actually been pretty happy with what I've seen from him so far. And hopefully now that they have the full team together and everything, they'll be better and, and actually start getting wins. Because I, I hate it when teams are just turbo-inting the entire time. Yeah, I, I will say he feels less like a carry position player and more like a role player. I think if they want to play around ganking top, they can. But I will say, I think their other lanes offer more carry potential when ahead in Poe Belcher and Wild Turtle. And like Smoothie's Roams, even. Yeah, my thing with Wild Turtle, though, is he's just such a risk. Yeah, he's like the Jazuke of 80 carries, right? <laughs> yeah, like you never know when he's just going <laughs> to jump in 1v5 for no reason. Um, but honestly, this was a really dominant showing for CLG. I think a big part of it, uh, if I'm not mistaken, CLG actually just got a straight-up 2v2 kill bot lane in this game. Uh, yeah, yeah, CLG got a straight 2v2 uh, double kill in the bot lane. Yeah, I think Tr is a big part of this right now. Tristana just looks so strong in the meta. Yeah, she's really aggressive. Um, but CLG, like, managed to get a, a bit of a level lead. Um, Smoothie got a level up on Vulcan, giving them a little bit of an extra power spike there. And th they're able to make this play happen, which is really great. And uh, it's something that I'm going to talk about later as well. But I think... I think we've discovered Cloud9's weakness. What's that? It feels like, at times, it is really, really easy to tilt Sven. That's pretty fair. I I think that a lot of players did not have the best showing. I think this is probably one of Blabber's worst games in the split as well. Oh, for sure. I mean, there there was a point where there was a fight happening mid. Um, like, Perks got caught out a little bit, I want to say. It was, it was either Perks or Sven got caught out a little bit. They managed to get out. And then Blabber from, like, Bot River just runs in and alts 1v3 with no help anywhere close. 
I have a theory that maybe he's just running it down on heck for a few meaningless games so that it doesn't get nerfed for playoffs. <laughs> <laughs> maybe I it would be nice if that were the case. Um I hope we never see that from him again. Uh this was this was definitely a really rough one though for Cloud9. In all seriousness, it is better for them to get this out now whether it's jitters, whether it's them taking a week to sort of slack a little bit, it's better in the final meaningless week when they've already clinched a top spot for playoffs than in a week or two from now when the games actually do matter to a greater extent. For sure. Yeah. I mean, if you're going to int, this is the time to do it when you've pretty much already... They've already locked a playoff spot. The only thing that they were competing for now was just solidifying the first place win or a, a first place for um, MSS. Yeah, top seed in the bracket. So this is a good time to, to just kind of troll. And uh, going off of that as well, you know, we talk about the tweets and stuff, and Sven had a pretty good one. It was last week after they got the first win against Fly. I may have mentioned this on, on last week's episode, I don't fully remember, but he did tweet, um, playoff locked, time to int. And we do see that continue through this week as well. <laughs> you know, with all the cocky tweets that people end up eating crow for, it's nice to see Sven can actually follow through. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, yeah, the, I, I, I just wanted to touch on this game quickly, though, because it was just a, a massive upset. I don't think anyone expected this to happen. Um coming out of last week with Cloud9 losing to Team Liquid and TSM. Like, both of those are really tough teams, mind you, but um, it was rough. That that was a shitty way to end, um, to end that week. And for me, and I'm sure a lot of other Cloud9 fans, were thinking, like, okay, it's fine. They're, they're starting off against CLG. That's going to be an easy win so that they kind of get their feet back under them. And, and, you know, this is one of those things that... Uh you look at CLG and you're always like, oh, that's, that's truly counter logic, right? Yeah. But like maybe it's C9 kind of buying into that whole thing a little bit to start off the weekend. I, I almost uh, feel that way as well, that they psyched themselves out having the same thought process as me. Um, the next game on the day was Evil Genius versus TSM. Surprisingly, Evil Genius is able to get the win there. And then we have 100 Thieves taking down Immortals. Team Liquid gets the win against Dignitas, which was actually a pretty big win for them as far as standings are concerned, because they were neck and neck. Uh, and then the last game of the day was FlyQuest getting a win against Golden Guardians. Uh, so one thing I do want to touch on really quickly, almost all of the games were relevant to an extent this weekend. There were a few against teams that were already locked out, but for the most part, all of these games had seating implications going in. The standings were close enough, where a win or loss either way bumped certain teams up up to three spots this weekend. Yeah, it was kind of nuts how much this weekend mattered for standings. I don't think we've had a weekend where it's this close in quite some time between so many teams as well. Uh, one thing that I want to touch on before we move on to day two as well with uh, this FlyQuest Golden Guardians game is FlyQuest actually subs in dreams in support now i have never heard of this guy before but i was watching double lift stream and he mentioned that uh 
he recalls a time, I can't remember when he said it was, I can't remember like what year it was or whatever, but I, I believe it was like fairly recently, either last year or the year before, where uh, when they were playing games on or like in EU, he like never won a solo queue game when he was up against Dreams. So enlighten me a little bit. I've never actually heard of this player before. This is someone from EU that's come over as an academy player? Yes, it's an EU player. I don't think they ever actually played in the LEC, however. They were just solo queue. Um, and when Doublelift, apparently, when he was doing uh, just like training camps and whatever in Europe, um, he just could not get wins against this guy in solo queue. And he was like, he, he was just talking about like how impressed he was by it. And uh, he mentioned that like at the start of the season when he was looking at the rosters, he was kind of blown away to see that Dreams was like on the academy team and not starting for them. Uh, because uh, from what DL was saying, and I don't really know a ton about this guy overall myself, uh, but going off of what, what DL said, uh, just a really talented young guy with a lot of potential. I mean, having not paid particular attention to this game, I will say the scoreline does look quite good. When you look at just bot lane, compare and contrast, uh, f 506 and 029 for Johnson and Dreams, respectively, those are both great lines. Yeah, like, Dreams played great in this game on the Thresh. Um, and yet, I'm pretty sure this was the only game that he played for them. No, sorry, he played against 100 Thieves as well. Uh, and then I'm pretty sure they subbed him out when they played Dignitas. I recall watching that game. Oh no, he did play all three. I guess I'm just losing my mind. Um, it seems weird though that they they bring this guy in after they're locked out of playoffs because there was a time there was a brief moment where they lost like a couple games in a row but still had a chance to make playoffs and I feel like that's when you might want to make that change because it's like you've just lost two in a row something isn't working maybe try and change it so that you like have a better chance I think there are a number of reasons here why you could say that's correct and also why you wouldn't want to do that you know it, it for one thing synergy issues you never know how inserting a new player especially into a synergy-centric lane like bot lane uh, is going to affect your overall team dynamic. The other thing is, like, we never know what it's like behind the scenes as far as what the coaching staff sees. So if they definitively did not think he was ready, I can see them not putting him in while the games matter, but now trying to get Dreams that sort of extra experience now that these games are much less relevant. Yeah, that's fair. Um, honestly, though, I have not been very impressed at all with Diamond. Yeah, I, I think this is definitely one of the most lackluster bot lanes in the league. Yeah. I think Johnson still has potential a, a little bit. I mean, he I don't think he'll ever be, like, one of the best ADCs in North America or anything. But I feel like he has the potential to be, like, a, a solid role player sort of thing. Yep, and that's the word that comes to mind for me as well. And, uh... Yeah, and if, if he's matched with the right support as well, um, I, I actually think he could make some waves. Um, but really was not a fan of what I saw from him uh, playing alongside Diamond. 
And uh, I hope, honestly, that come Summer Split, that they try and play Dreams more. I, I want to see more of this guy. Yeah, definitely someone we're going to have to keep an eye out for in the future. But let's move on. Day two. TSM takes down Immortals. Cloud9 gets the win against Dignitas. 100 Thieves take down FlyQuest. Team Liquid get the win against Evil Geniuses. We're going to dive into this game in a second. The last game of the day, though, was Golden Guardians beating CLG. A battle for the bottom. Yeah, that you, you're guaranteed some high-quality, uh, ep- epic solo queue <laughs> gameplay when those two teams are involved. Uh, let, let's dive into this Evil Geniuses versus Team Liquid game because we had a couple interesting picks here, ones that we have not seen. Yeah, and uh, honestly, after this game, I'm going to say it. We haven't seen them for good reason. These picks were not good. They were not impressive. It was spicy. It was something new to watch. <laughs> I really appreciated that as someone who's watched almost every game this, this split. You know, the meta is at a point where it's kind of getting stale, I think. I agree, yeah. I, I mean, I guess Ari is like a playmaking quote-unquote mid laner, but Nico isn't really. Like, like, like she's got the, the ult she can, like, invisible herself into the middle of the team with, but, like... Yeah. She's more of just, like, a snare thrower. Well, we saw Nico once, if I'm not mistaken, but it was in support, right? I was gonna say, we haven't seen it mid. Yeah. And really, this game, diving into it a little bit, we didn't see it mid very much this game either because there was a lane swap. Yeah, uh, which I also found that really bizarre. I thought it was a good lane swap overall. Uh, However, I think Alfari handled it very, very well. Um, So the reason I say that is Nico is relatively safe because of her... uh, clone ability where she goes invisible and splits in two um so because of this jizuke felt comfortable pushing the lane in for most of the early game and that kind of got them pressure advantage in the top side i think or i i feel like my issue with this because it like if we didn't have the lane swap it would have been renekton into nar which um Nara isn't, like, exactly a counter pick, because uh, if there's, like, any sort of mistake from Nara at all, Renekton just kills him. Um, But Nara is a lane bully. So if you're playing it right and playing it well, um, the Nara will kind of push in the Renekton and make it a little hard for him. And then mid, it would have been the Nico versus the Ari. With the lane swap, though, we get the Nico into Nar, which I think is a pretty even matchup. Uh, like, both are ranged. Uh, until you hit six, neither of them really have, like, a okay, now I'm going to kill you tool. Um, like, assuming that both are playing the matchup correctly and everything, I feel like neither should really die or get solo killed ever. But in the mid lane. I feel like the Ari should really be able to bully Renekton. Um, so we saw this a little bit in the extreme early game, like pre-level 4, I believe, 
where Aru is getting Renekton down to like 250 health with one combo. Uh, however, Renekton is also able to sustain with his Q called the Meek. I suppose. So, it, and I, I think they did this because the alternative lane matchup just was bad for both lanes, where this matchup is maybe just bad for one lane at a time, depending on where the jungler is putting pressure. Is Nico into Ari a bad matchup, though? I think the matchups would be more volatile. I agree that it would be more volatile, but I think for both sides, honestly. I don't think either has, like, a huge edge over the other. But I, I could be mistaken. I am not super familiar with mid matchups, especially when it comes to uh, Ari versus Nico. <laughs> yeah, and let's keep in mind, largely these swaps were unsuccessful, right? You look at the score lines for Renekton and Nico, it was a 2-7 and seven Renekton and a 1-4 and four Nico. So obviously something went wrong. Are the lane swaps the whole story? Maybe not. Are they a contributing factor? Yeah, probably. So you, you are probably right here, right? Yeah. I'm defending them more or less as devil's advocate here. Mm -hmm. but I do feel like it may not have been the best choice overall. Yeah, it just seemed so weird to me. And, like, uh, I'm, I'm looking, and at eight minutes, the CS is even. Like, Renekton has 71, Ari has 72. Nico has 61, Nar has 62. Like, so, so the lanes just kind of end up going even, and nothing happens. And... Maybe against other teams, this would have been a better strategy. But Teal loves playing slow games like this. Yeah, this is definitely sort of the meta that NA has fallen into. And I'm going to touch on that a little bit looking at some of the other games as well. But it's a very dangerous spot for us to be internationally as a meta. Because if you look at other regions, um, they're very good at playing for either early or late game. Like, they're very good at building comps and executing them properly yeah where na seems to just constantly fall into this trap of like okay we're gonna pick hyperscaling and not do anything until after 15 minutes oh yeah and, and i think teams will get severely punished for that when it comes to playing on an international stage yeah i, de I definitely agree um and we can talk about that that more later as well but there are like i think there's like two teams that really stick out to me from na that like might be able to find success when it comes to international play um, with their play styles. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, I, I think we've seen some experimentation. It uh, just hasn't been successful uh, for, for the most part. Yeah, this this was just so strange to me. Um, like we said, I mean, I, I think overall in, the, in this game, both Nico and Ari just looked really useless. I don't think either were able to really do anything. Yeah. Um, like again you can make the argument that they're like playmaking champs and whatever but there wasn't even really much of that in my opinion well and the other thing is like ari obviously looked better but was she a key piece in her team winning no she she was at most a role player and a follow-up source of ap damage well and even like she really wasn't doing that much damage at all no like, I, I think TL is pretty lucky that this game ended up being a stomp, because otherwise they would have been 
really, really hurting for AP damage. Yeah, for sure. That's something... The diversity of damage is something that uh, some drafts this week really left wanting. Yeah. Um, and I, I think this is one good example of that, for sure. Yeah. Overall, I think this was really just some pretty huge carry performances from top jungle out of TL. Yeah, I think TL is very advantaged in that they have one of these teams where it doesn't matter where the gold goes, whoever gets the gold is going to be able to grow their lead with it and exact a further advantage with whatever lead they get. Yeah, I think Jensen is the only one that we've seen to struggle to do that at times. Jensen has not had a great split overall, I think. Um, he hasn't looked bad necessarily, but I feel like this is not the Jensen that we've come to expect. I feel like he has looked much worse than he has in previous seasons. I mean, especially like watching Cloud9, I'm used to seeing Jensen at five minutes getting solo kills <laughs> against the enemy mid laner and just like being one of the most lane dominant mid laners in the league. And uh, we really have not seen that from him. Yeah, I agree for sure. Um, I, I definitely think that the meta has sort of shifted away from that individual playmaking style. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. And, and some of that's to do with the way supports are roaming right now, and some of that's to do with just the mid-meta at the moment. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely think he seems to be slumping, and I think it's something to look at going into playoffs, because historically, in meaningful games, not to meme on Jensen too much, but, you know, there was the whole Echo thing, where he just, like, didn't Zanyas, and so, so there is past history of Jensen... Uh, panicking sometimes not rising to the occasion of these playoff games so we will have to keep an eye on him heading into playoffs yeah like we said huge care performances from the top and jungle Elfari went 6-1-9 and nine on the NAR and Santorin on Olaf went 8-0-8 and eight. massive games out of those two really propelling TL to the win Oh, super quick note from last week. I said uh, Impact and Alfari were competing for the number one spot in NA. Alfari gets the number one after this performance. He really did look dominant <laughs> this game, right? Like, yeah, he was he was insane. Like, I, I just wanted to follow up on that because this really was a convincing performance from him against a very strong mid lane, or uh, I guess mid this game, but against a very strong opponent top lane. <laughs> yeah, it was clear that uh, like despite the laning phase being very mundane and boring um when it came to team fights boy did he perform um my last note on this is uh i mean we talked about keeping an eye on jensen the one other main guy that we got to keep an eye on with with liquid is tactical um i don't know who's got the brainwash tech on this guy but somehow teams have figured out a way to get him to just uh play like wild turtle yep <laughs> And it wasn't just one game this weekend either, I don't think. I, I think... No. <laughs> no, there was a few instances. He, he struggled yeah. for the majority of the weekend. Uh, and, and it's... This weekend, I think, really highlighted it for sure. But this hasn't been the only weekend where he's had games that he is just kind of inting. Um, there, there, there have been quite a few instances of him being mid solo while like the entire enemy team is Mia I mean jumping forward in team fights when everyone on the enemy team is still alive and your team is like moving backwards and there, there's been a lot of uh, 
interesting plays from him. Yeah, I, I think it might be time for uh, Papa Cora to take out the belt again and just just sort of straighten him back into line as as far as like okay you you play behind <laughs> me like like you, you remember in tutorial when whenever you walked up to hit something the lady's voice would always be like stay behind your minions <laughs> yeah I, I i feel like core just needs a button with that and every time tactical moves up he just slaps the button once or twice yeah there's uh there's, there's been a lot of interesting plays definitely some sort of conversation needs to happen there uh some something with coaching or, or just within um the the starting five itself something else to keep an eye on though uh let's keep it moving our next game uh moving into the sunday starts off with flyquest versus dignitas dignitas gets the win tsm takes down golden guardians not very surprising there team liquid gets the win against 100 thieves that was another really big one for them as far as um I mean, this this was the term, determining game. They were tied here for uh, who gets the uh, second spot, right? Uh, a lot of these games mattered, actually. So so the best dig could have ended at the end of this weekend was second. Uh, same with TSM. I believe same with TL. Um, and then if, if C9 had botched the weekend, they could have ended up as low as like third or fourth, I want to say. I think third if they lost every game. Okay, yeah. And one of the other teams that were tied there won all of their games. Yeah, so... Yeah, this last day was in insane, though, as far as placing goes. Um, so yeah, TL gets the win against 100 Thieves. Evil Geniuses takes down CLG. And to close out Spring Split, Cloud9 takes down Immortals. Yeah, so the first game I want to kind of do a dive into here is TSM against Golden Guardians. And also compare it a little bit to TSM versus EG earlier in the weekend. Um, so there are some worrying things here for TSM. And I, I want to sort of dive into the first part of that in particular being the mid lane. So coming into this weekend, Azir was hit with nerfs. Uh, did, do you know about these nerfs? No, not offhand. Okay, so basically his soldiers deal 10 less damage at all ranks. Uh, so Riot's reasoning was he's too powerful in lane at the moment, and they want to sort of take away that lane control a little bit. I agree with that, honestly. Oh yeah, for sure. With, with how insane he is late game, I think that's actually a really good choice. I think that his play patterns sort of push him towards being this more niche pick as opposed to the traditional caster. I think thematically... Azir has done very well as sort of this commander who sends out soldiers to fight for him. Yeah, I, I really like his design. As a caster, however, I, I feel like the whole attack speed gimmick sort of thing is should be pushed to more a more niche place than it is right now. Does that make sense? Yeah. So the, the first thing coming in this weekend is the Azir. Um, against EG, TSM picked Victor, and that went rather poorly. Now, in this game... Well, and the, the Azir was banned in that game as well. Yeah, and... That, so it wasn't them, like, picking Victor over Azir or anything. Azir was banned, they pick Victor instead. Right, but in the other two games this weekend, they pick Azir. So, for one, it's not difficult to figure out what TSM's strategy is. Lose game on Victor when, when Azir is banned? Oh, okay, like... 
it, that, that's my very first note on on this game it is uh i i don't understand why it's so hard for people to just ban azir when they play against tsm yeah it, it's a very simple play pattern it it seems like yeah it seems like such an easy no-brain decision it, it really reminds me of um like a couple of years ago maybe three years ago now geez it was a while ago uh i want to say it was jensen's like last season with cloud nine he was just a monster on the oriana he was like consistently getting solo kills in mid lane and then going to team fights and just like one-shotting the entire enemy team and for some reason teams just weren't banning oriana against him and uh I'm pretty sure he went undefeated on that champ through that split. And it, it, it's it's reminiscent of, of that for me with this PoE Azir. I think this is another like missing Bjergsen problem. Because yes, PoE gets to the point where he's extremely good like this on Azir. But it took him two to three weeks for, for the team and him to figure out how to mesh with this. If you remember, when they first started it, they were about 50% with Azir. This was a number of weeks ago. And now they've gotten to the point where Azir should be banned on site for them. I feel like Bjergsen, on the flip side of that, was able to play champions more effectively almost immediately. And also was multi-threat. And we haven't seen that from PoE yet. Yeah. Uh, The other thing I wanted to touch on was the top lane. So... Two different stories here. In their win, TSM goes top with Olaf constantly. Yeah. And kills Niles basically on cooldown. Yeah. Uh, and, and I mean, to be fair, Niles had a TP this game. And to quote Kobe, that TP sucked. <laughs> it Like, man, you're a pro player. When you sue two people standing on a minion, don't TP to the minion they're standing on. Niles has made some decisions. Golden Guardians has made some decisions by continuing to play Niles. Um, yep. And you know, I, f- I got so sad too because one of the games this weekend, Niles actually had a decent performance. He was like 4-1 and one or something. And before seeing this game, I was going to call out that game in particular just to say like, hey, we were really hard on this guy. But look, like he can have these performances. But then he went zero seven on Camille this game, man, and had an NTP play. Like, yeah, zero seven one and like forty CS down on a. Uh, to be fair, it was an AP Gregus. It's like much more of a damage threat and stuff, but still, just insane. And I don't even want to, like, I feel like when a player is underperforming, we call it out, we talk about it, we maybe expand on it a little bit, and then we move on. I don't want to keep calling this guy out. Yeah, no, I, I feel like we've talked about it enough. I, I want to see players be successful. And this is a player that's just consistently, consist, consistently lowering the bar of expectation every week. I, I really do feel like it's getting to the point where Golden Guardians need to seriously sit down and, and talk about like what's going on and start considering... Um, putting in their academy guy because it, it it has it has not been good. Like if they have any hopes of being competitive through summer, um, something seriously needs to change with this team. Uh, so moving on a little bit in, into the more meat and potatoes of TSM's trends, they played another hyperscaling comp. 
They've got Olaf to get ahead early. And then they have Lost on Tristana, Power of Evil on Azir. If they can get away with this against a very low tier team, okay, great. But do you think they'll be given the same sort of grace going into playoffs against TL and C9 and teams like that? What do you think? No, de definitely not. Um, Cloud9 especially, just with how aggressive that they like to play early with Blabber, um, it, it's it, that's not going to be allowed. Um, yeah, like I, I'm, I'm just looking at their team comp again, and I'm wondering how they didn't go down like ten kills early on. Because like especially looking at Golden Guardians team as well, having Udir. Like even just like like Udir plus Camille is an insanely strong, uh, like two v one even two v two combo. I think this is the the summary of this game mainly is just like speak a def and top def overall, which is kind of surprising because uh, Spika is not a fan of playing Olaf. It is, like, not really one of his champs. I mean, we've seen him play it a few times with mixed success overall, I think. Um, and he did look really, really good here. But even Doublelift has talked about, like, uh, when he was playing with Spika, there were times where Olaf would be meta and Spika didn't want to play it. It's not, it's not one of his champs. I think this game inside of a vacuum, it's also very polarizing because he was gifted two kills literally gifted two kills early on right he went top he failed the gank niles lived with i think 50 hp or less and was under tower so they couldn't dive and then he gifted them that kill and then overextended immediately after that and gave him a second kill so if that doesn't happen maybe tsm doesn't look so good this game also very worrying right like those were literal gift kills that started the snowball that's not going to happen in playoffs um so so yeah in summary overall tsm needs to find their stride in the mid lane for playoffs look to play a more balanced team comp where they're not hyper focused on scaling and can still do relevant things without these gift wrap kills in the in the early game phases um and also still improve on their skirmishing around neutral objectives like Herald and Dragon. Because while it was better, again, when you have an extreme lead, they still did look shaky at times. Yeah, I mean, I, mean, I think just team diversity is, is the major improvement that TSM can try and make moving forward. Um, if you don't have anything else on this game, I'm good to move on. Uh, just that like Olaf is still a very very strong pick as we're seeing i mean 808 in uh the tl game nine two and four in this game it's a scary champ um and one thing to look for in playoffs it, it, for uh, mss is that's uh, with how much success it saw in this week it, it's gonna have to remain permaband against cloud nine because we know what blabber does with that champ what do you think the pick ban percent is going to be? Do you think it's going to be 100% or do you think it's going to be like 75%? I think it'll be 75%. I don't think it'll quite hit 100. I don't think it's like that OP. 
because we're seeing teams kind of uh, give up stronger junglers in favor of like Lilia and Nidalee just for the AP mix with damage. Uh, against Cloud9, I think it'll be 100% pick ban. Okay, that's good. I just, I wanted your take just to see if you thought it was a healthier place than where we started. Because if you look at weeks one to three, it was... I think so. Pick or ban on site. Yeah. So I'm glad we're not still in that spot. I don't think so, but I, I mean, I could be mistaken. Um, it feels like it's fallen off a little bit. And I think, as I said, teams are just favoring grabbing extra AP damage over um, just like this stompy run over you early game jungler. Because the other thing is Olaf is pretty fucking useless late game. <laughs> Olaf does not do a lot. Uh, like, obviously, he's still great at securing objectives since he has the E. But as Double Lift likes to put it, he's kind of just a health bar. Yeah, he does only one thing, and that's run at the carries and try to blow them up before he dies. Yeah, but as it gets to late game, uh, that's, like, not really possible because the carries will blow you up before you blow them up. So, like, e even without being able to CC him, like, you're not going to get to them in time when it comes to late game. So still like an incredibly strong pick early, obviously. But yeah, be for those reasons, I don't think it'll be 100%. Uh, moving into our next game, CLG versus Evil Geniuses. And we have a new record in the LCS. <laughs> My goodness. Th this is so funny. This is th this is one of those things where like the like third tier analyst or something for CLG just like tugs on the coach's shirt and is like, you know, Jazuke's done this in like ninety five percent of his games. This split, yeah. Well, and that's an, so. What happens? Uh, Jazuke out of spawn runs straight down mid, and comes face to face with the entire CLG team. Um, he tries to flash backwards, but Smoothie gets the flash follow on Nautilus, gets the hook. He flashed in a straight line. Well, that also, yeah, that was that was pretty bad. Um, I think that's really the only part that I can knock him for, though. I mean, it's not just him that runs down mid, and uh, this is the first time that we've ever seen a team this split go five-man mid. We've seen five-man in bushes, <laughs> never five-man mid. So uh, I don't, like, fully blame him. The flash was awful. I, I'll, I'll knock him for that, but... Um, and he did get three flashes overall. Um, like, CLG comes out with the first blood, but as we've seen, they have a 0% win rate when they get first blood, so... Or not a 0%, but a, like, 10% win rate or something when they get first blood. So... Yeah, it's very low. It's, it's like, sub-25%. Overall, I'm not entirely sure if the play was worth it for CLG. I mean, they do end up losing the game anyways. It was really funny, though, especially just considering how much I've been shitting on him for uh, for getting caught in inting. It was really, really funny. This is one of those ones that is great to see for entertainment purposes. Um, Very meme -y, very explosive to start the game and really hook people in. Uh, but yeah, overall, being three flashes down immediately for the first five minutes of the game is a huge disadvantage. I think they used Ignite as well. Yeah, three flash and Ignite. 
the other thing I will say is, is anyone listening who hasn't seen this play, go back and just pay attention to Jazuke's face cam for this whole thing. Yeah, <laughs> I was I was watching that as well when I first when I first watched this game. I think they were showing replays of like just his face cam because it was so animated. It's a really good reaction. If you don't believe me or you just want to laugh, go back and watch it. It's worth it. It was so funny. So looking at this game as past that first blood, which we kind of got hung up on there for a little bit. For for good reason, it doesn't happen too often nowadays. Um, <laughs> CLG drafts this comp, and one of the glaring things you have to immediately sort of pay attention to is they don't have a real source of AP as far as in lane goes. They draft Poe Belter on Renekton. Yeah, and overall, I really like the kind of thought here um i'm a i'm a big fan of like diversity with team comps and obviously this is one um i i think one of the most exciting metas that we had for a brief time was when irelia mid was like one of the highest priority picks because it was just so volatile and explosive in lane and uh I, like Renekton is the same sort of thing, and I, I also in this game we have Finn on Irelia top. Um, I, I think that's a really interesting look, and I hope that teams will kind of consider doing stuff like this more. Um, but uh, in practice, when it comes to this game specifically, at least, it, it didn't look great. Um, I, I think they really were just lacking that extra AP damage. Y you've got Broxa on the Nidalee, but that's it. Uh, like, I guess Nautilus provides a little bit of extra oomph. Um, but even, like, Leona can actually, like, <laughs> almost one-shot an ADC if they're not careful uh, through, like, level 6 to 10 area. Um, it's like maybe picking the Leona instead gives you, like, a bit more AP even. But, yeah, it... It's going to need some more theory crafting, I think. Uh, I almost feel like if you're doing something like this, since you have an Irelia and Renekton, who are two kind of just innately very tanky champs, uh, and both of them are building Sterix as well, which, despite some nerfs, is still just a busted item in my opinion, um, I almost feel like they could have gone for a more AP-heavy support, like more of a caster support to add in a little bit of extra AP damage as well. I think that's a good point. I think that some of it was their lack of AP, and then some of it was also their lack of sustained, reliable sustained damage in, inside of a team fight. Um, so, so if you look at it, right, if you have a Victor, an Ori, an Azir, everyone has to position much more carefully. Whereas when you have a bruiser comp running at you, all you have to do is kite backwards. You don't have to worry about where you're stepping. You don't have to worry about, like, like the only thing you have to really position yourself away from is the Irelia stun in this comp. Yeah. Um, so CLG actually eke out a fairly substantial early lead this game. They're up 3-1 to one at one point, and then they just sort of overchase, and the game evens out at 4-4. Four four. And this is a real disaster because when you're running a Renekton versus a Rise in your mid lane, you need to get out to an early lead. 
Yeah, for sure. I mean, Ryze is a hyperscaling mid. Um, the amount of damage that he is able to do late game when he's like got full stacked mana items and stuff, it's insane. Yeah, and we definitely see that this game. Uh, by the 25-minute mark or so, Ryze is super online. And it, every team fight going forward from that point, he's able to just sort of skirt around the edge of the fight, rune prison wh whoever's walking towards him. And I, I think the statistic was like he was dealing a thousand damage a Q when he was throwing Qs out. Those Qs are on a one second cooldown. Yeah, it's insane. Uh, like for reference, this game went pretty much 40 minutes. Uh, Nexus blew up at 39.57. So it was a hyper uh, late game. I mean, he was full build. He was on full items. And that's also without Sork shoes, I want to mention. He had CDR boots. Yeah, that, that's just that's just insane damage. That's crazy damage. And he had the Everfrost item. It wasn't even like a Ludens or something where you're getting extra burst damage. Uh, that's more of the utility item, which I, I will mention. We've seen a lot more of this in this week, and I like that a lot. I They, they made some... Uh, they gave it some buffs, we're seeing it come into, into the meta now, and uh, I'm a big fan of what I've seen so far from this item. It's actually an item that's been used in Europe a decent amount, uh, even before the buffs. I totally agree with you. I'm also a big fan. I love build diversity, so seeing new items come in is always fun for me. And really, if you look at the damage, they were showing damage graphs uh, in, in sort of the late game team fights, and it's basically just EG giving CLG the finger. Like, the rise damage is... 5,000 damage yeah. ahead of the next best player on the team? Yeah, I, I'm looking at uh, Fight at Dragon 3548. They're showing damage dealt last team fight. The highest for CLG is Finn. He did a pretty pretty solid amount on the Irelia. 5,115 damage. Uh, that's not a small number. But on the other side... Jizuke, almost 10,000 damage dealt. 9,899 damage. That is insane. Yeah, and that's really the story of this game. I also, so Jizuke took Cleanse Flash and used the Rise Teleport uh, Ultimate as sort of his teleport around the map, rather than the actual Summoner spell. So that's lower cooldown. Um, on, so there are pros and cons to this. It's a lower cooldown than Summoner Teleport. It's not as global. It's sort of pseudo-global. Like, you have to... It's kind of like TF Alt in the sense where you have to kind of get partway there. Um, but you can take friends with you. Um, you can take an extra Summoner. So it, it sort of balances out. I... Also, specifically for Jizuke, he is a good Rise player. We, we've seen him play Rise to great effect before. I, I have said, I, I do think Jizuke is probably the best Rise player that we have in North America right now. He is very good on this champ. I, I think you'll be inclined to agree with, uh, agree with this point. Rise is a great champion for him because when he's constantly caught out of position, when his team gets caught and he needs to be there and he's farming a wave, or when he gets caught farming a wave, he's able to just TP to where he needs to be instantly. It, it, the Rise is definitely the best-looking champ that he has played so far. This split, still not a fan of this champ. <laughs> it, it did look fantastic in this game overall. Um, 
I think like this team comp and everything as well is actually like a really solid fit for the rise pick. I didn't hate it here by any means, but overall, I I'm just still not very big on rise. That's fair enough. Uh, this game is also fairly chaotic overall, and I think this is a style that teams going into playoffs are going to want to look out for. If you look at some of these fights, they take place over two to three screens. They're extended fights. Uh, and so looking at the two different types of fight, instantaneous and extended fights, this is the type of style Evil Geniuses thrives in because they like playing so far apart from each other. And I think that inside of playoffs... Rival teams are really going to need to be cognizant of this and sort of play their own game around this knowledge. I, I think another thing is, as well with this Juzuke Rise pick, um, building the Everfrost, that's kind of another way that he can keep himself safe, right? Getting that root off. Yeah, and I also think uh, the Cosmic Drive he built this game. Cosmic Drive is an item that I'm liking more and more i didn't really pay attention to it early in the season but my goodness is that a good item oh my god cosmic drive is insane it is i honestly think that it's like actually op um it's just there's not i, I think one of the reasons that it's like not getting as much attention is because there's not actually that many champs that it's like efficient to buy on given the stats that it gives and everything but it gives you so much cdr and it gives you so much move speed in team fights it is, it's ridiculous. I, I love that item. Yeah, uh, definitely props to Riot just on the amount of build diversity we've seen over the course of this first split since the item rework hit the game. I think that it's been a huge success. And as someone who sort of likes the nuts and bolts of the game and, and likes to delve more into how the items affect the meta, the way the game's played, all, all this sort of minute stuff, I really, really love seeing this amount of build diversity. Uh, I, I have one last note on this game, and I think that's just CLG's draft. I'm not sure if they had the plan to do this, like, double bruiser team comp from the start. Um, it, it was, like, Irelia was last picked, but I think if they had any sort of plan to go like double ad with top and mid i feel like you don't want to ban the lilia because i i honestly think that if it had have been a lilia jungle instead of an italy that even would have been a way better look for this team um lilia just does like so much more aoe damage overall and especially if you actually go for the like damage build where you build leandries instead of uh the med deer build that that we're seeing as a more budget um, team-oriented option with the healing item, uh, Moonstone Renewer. You do just a ridiculous amount of AP damage with that build. Uh, and Nidalee can do a lot of damage, but it's single-target damage. So I, I just found that an interesting decision as well, and something that CLG should look at going forward, I think, because we've seen them play these double AD comps a lot, and they look really good with it, as we mentioned, with... Uh, them taking down C9 with the actual like double ADC comp. Um, but yeah, I, I think they just need to consider keeping that Lilia up in these cases. Um, I mean, Svensgaren has 
played Lilia, obviously. I think pretty much every jungler has, because it's a strong pick. But I'm not sure if that's really a priority for EG. I feel like we haven't seen that as, like, a priority pick for them. Uh, Sven's Garen, honestly, has been playing a ton of this Hecarim since it's become meta. That's been, like, his main champ. So, uh, yeah, just... Uh, my last note was just I'm I'm not a fan of CLG banning the Lilia. I feel like they should have kept that open as an option for them to pick. Yeah, and definitely something they'll have some time to think about now. Um, CLG, of course, being off for the playoffs. They were locked out. They've got quite a bit of time to sit back and relax and hopefully grind a fuck ton of games together uh, and hopefully yeah. improve. <laughs> and work out something better than like just Lucian mid for Poe Belter. Yeah. Because, like, they have that comp down, right? They, they just need to diversify. It, it's the same problem with a bunch of teams right now. Like, they have one comp that they really mesh with, and these teams just need to sort of, like, find that diversity, you know? All right, shall we move on to our final game, the final game of Spring Split? Yeah, they really went out with a bang with this one, too. I was a huge fan of this game. This is one I actually, like, stopped what I was doing and paid attention to once I saw Picks and Bands. So the last game was the Cloud9 versus Immortals. Uh, this was, I believe, to solidify first place for Cloud9. Yeah, since since TL got the win, um, if Cloud9 lost here, they would have been tied. Oh, and TSM as well. There, there would have needed to be a tiebreaker. A three-way tiebreaker, right? If Cloud9 had lost this game. Yeah. That's crazy. And I feel like, honestly, because of that, we see them go for a much different look. I feel like this was them going, okay, we need to, like, not necessarily that they need to, but it's like, we want to secure first place. Let's go for a different draft and make sure we get it. Because this is a far different look than we have seen from Cloud9 this entire season. Yeah, and... Honestly, the comp looks fairly standard still. It's a very just straight up front to back comp, yeah. Um, some interesting picks coming in for C9. Perks on his own control mage, which we we've seen him a lot play sort of these assassin types like the Yone and a couple LeBlanc games. So he played a much more reserved style this game, and also Fudge on Scion. Scion coming into meta only over the last week or two and to mix success and then blabber also uh on lilia and I, i'm just pulling up his build did he go the supportive lilia build no he actually went for a different build than we commonly see because normally if you're going damage you go for the leandries he actually went for the night harvester uh, and I, I believe we have seen a couple other players go for this. It's not... Uh, I, I don't believe this is the first time that we've ever seen it. Uh, but it is a less common one. Really quickly on the other side, um, to sort of give context for why C9 are, are kind of picking the way they are in these more reserved picks. Um, IMT draft this hyper, hyper aggressive early game comp. They draft Draven in the bot lane, Nocturne in the jungle, and Renekton in the top lane. Yeah, th this is just screaming, uh, we are going to crush your soul early game. <laughs> yeah, like, if this was solo queue, I would be so scared. 
if I was up against this team because if they get like one or two kills, you're just done. You can't walk up against them. It's such a big snowball from there. Yeah. Um, honestly, though, getting into the actual game, Cloud9 kind of just says fuck you to that and says you don't get an early game. Um, and we see the same sort of thing. Uh, Blabber just displaying jungle dominance yet again, similar to how he did against Spica last week. Uh, taking it just immediately <laughs> going into the bottom side jungle with Vulcan and Zven, grabbing the Raptors and the Red Buff. Oh man, this play was so five head. And also, IMT, IMT's bot lane. This is like typical solo queue toxic Draven. That's what I was thinking. That that was my exact thought. Uh, like, holy shit. I was watching this and I, I just had like PTSD to all of my solo queue games where I get invaded and I'm like, guys, help ping, help ping. Hello, guys, team. Hello. Six question mark pings. Okay, I guess I just don't play the game. Pings on cooldown. You're still getting invaded. They're CSing. <laughs> like, oh yeah. man, it. I was tilted just watching this. To Xerxes' credit, though, he did recover pretty well. However, you can draw a straight line from, like, this invade happening to C9's early pressure in lanes. Right? Because they, they, they do go up 2-1 to one in kills. It's not a huge advantage, but, like, First Blood comes directly off of pressuring Nocturne to be behind early. Right, because uh, Lilia clears red, does her clear, ends up top, and ganks revenge on Renekton. And Nocturne just isn't in a level or position spot where he can adequately help in any meaningful way. And actually, top lane was, was something that I wanted to talk on this game, because a very, very common... Um, quote-unquote counterpick for the Renekton top in LEC is the Scion. Um, it's something that is popping up a lot there, and it's not necessarily a counterpick, it's more so a gracefully lose lane. Um, Scion is great at clearing waves overall with his I mean, all of the AoE abilities he has, literally all of his kit is AoE, um, so it makes it really easy to farm under tower and stuff with the tools you have. And, um, I mean, Scion just becomes a meatball. Like, Scion is the epitome of a tank because of that passive he has on his W, where when he kills a minion, he gets extra health. Um, but we've seen it three or four different times now in North America, and uh, it's not a graceful loss. It is a, like, 50 CS difference stomp in favor of the Renekton. And yet, and I mean, obviously he gets the help from Blabber early on, which is great, but Fudge played this fantastically. Fudge looked so, so clean on this Scion. Yeah, and I think this is one of the few Scions we've seen, especially this weekend, that looked this good or this not bad in this sort of yeah lose gracefully style of matchup. And I mean, like, it obviously it helps getting that first blood, but he didn't even lose lane <laughs> like yeah it's very impressive and like he pretty much went even and there was even a couple points where he was up cs on revenge and for scion it really doesn't matter 
in terms of like how much gold he has as long as he's killing creeps yeah because he's getting free stats yeah you, you just get free health like you show up to the last team fight of the game and it's like okay i have an extra like three giants belts that i, I just have yeah it's, it's the same concept as the cho'gath um but less spiky but more consistent because you're you get it starting at level one pretty much Overall, I, I like Scion as a champion a lot. I think it brings a lot of like really interesting tools into a team. Um, and obviously it fits fantastically when it comes to a scaling comp. Yeah, and C9 played this just so well throughout the whole game. Like We, we see these few kills early. So we framed the one kill uh, top, and then a second skirmish happens... Uh, that was the one where it was a one for one. Yeah. So so this happens at about 13 minutes. And they trade Nocturne for... So they trade Jungler for Jungler. They trade Nocturne for Lilia. Yep. And s something scary does happen here. Draven gets the kill. Yeah, Draven gets the kill and has a huge cash in. Yeah. I think he also got shut down gold off of it because it was Blabber that he killed I believe it. I, th I think a lot of that has to do with farm numbers, but Blabber did get both kills previous, so yeah, probably. Oh, no, I'm mistaken. There there was no shutdown cold on him. Okay. It wasn't quite that bad, but still, a really big cash in for Draven, which is terrifying. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's already up like 25 CS on the Tristana. Which is expected because Draven is traditionally a lane bully. Disgusting early on. <laughs> yeah. But then, we look at this game, right? And nothing happens for the next... Like, 20 minutes, it felt. <laughs> 20 minutes. L literally 20 minutes. Like, Was it really 20 minutes? Holy shit. Yeah, th the 33-minute mark. Uh, 33.50 is, like, the next kill or something. That's... That's, like, the team fight around Baron. Yeah, it was an insanely boring game as far as action goes. Uh, but like you said, I mean... C9 was playing this fantastically because they have the scaling comp. Um, and... We're, we're starting to see a weakness from Zertzi. He he doesn't have a go button, apparently. Uh, watching this guy, it's, it's reminding me of Broxa. He just kind of sits in his jungle and farms. And then, like, maybe he'll come for a counter gank or something. Um, like, he's playing the Nocturne here, and he's going for this Bruiser build, which I know you're not a fan of, but honestly, I, I think it fits a lot a lot better in uh, LEC, or LCS, I mean. Um, especially playing against a team like Cloud9, where assassins are pretty much useless because of how well they play as a team. Um, but he presses R, like, three or four times total this game. He, like, we see so many times where he is just sitting with his ultimate off cooldown, not even really looking to make a play. Yeah, and that's not what Nocturne's about. That you are, you are literally playing the champion incorrectly at that point. I can say with firm confidence. And, and like even when you're going for a bruiser build, like Nocturne doesn't scale well. Nocturne does not scale at all. <laughs> um, it it doesn't matter what build you're going for. Um, I, like I think a bruiser build, like I said, actually does fit better in LCS. I don't mind it for for this style especially against a cloud nine or if they were playing like a team liquid or something i think it looks better but even with this build you're not winning late game 
Like, you still need to be making plays early on. Part of this is to C9's credit, and the other part of this is to IMT's discredit, because it takes two teams to create 20 minutes without a kill. And while C9 did everything correctly and played back and played passively and disengaged so they could hit their scaling points, IMT just did, did not force. Like you say, there was no go button, and there had to be. Um, and I think that's a problem that we're seeing from Immortals overall. This was a team that I was like pretty excited about coming in, and I mean, I still am overall because it's a very young team. Um, they, they have a lot of growth that they can go through and stuff, but it feels like they don't have a shot caller at all. It feels like they're. It feels like they're kind of just playing a solo queue game. Um, we see through this game. They, like you said, there's 20 minutes where nothing happened, and yet, in a way, there wasn't nothing happening, because all the while Cloud9 is taking objectives, and Immortals is just bending over and saying, "Okay, go for it." Will fight you eventually maybe when you hit our when you start hitting our nexus we'll fight you like it, it just feels like there's no communication at all out of immortals and i think that's a common trend we're seeing from this team and uh i feel like you got to put some of that blame on xerci just as a jungler you're like the prime like jungle and support are the primary playmakers when it comes to, um, like, the current state of League, uh, and especially the LCS and Pro Play as a whole. Like, those are the guys that you're relying on to make things happen. Yeah, they're, they're the ones with the Engage and the CC. Um, and I'm not saying the onus is fully on them for shot calling, like, we've seen many times where you have, like, a mid lane shot caller, an ADC shot caller, even top lane shot callers. Uh, but they need to define who that person is and improve on that. I totally agree with you. I, I think that aside from, like, a glaring thresh hook on, say... I mean, I mean, who can even hit a thresh hook on... I guess perks as Ori this game, right? Because Tristana just jumps away. But, like, as, aside from a blatantly obvious thresh hook onto Ori there was no real condition where they can all get on the same page and dive and you just can't see that also I think that going down 3-1 to one in dragons when you have an early game team is inexcusable right it, it's a neutral it's not hard to play around like Baron where you sort of have to do the dance with the damage and the debuffs um, and it comes up much more early yeah, no, like, it it just does damage. It's a very simple objective. Um, yep. <laughs> Every five minutes on the dot. Uh, it's, yeah, I... It, it was a really rough look from Immortals as far as that's concerned. Um, I don't really like their draft either because you have, like, three champs that really want to be explosive early on in, like, the Renekton Nocturne and Draven. Um, and not that Syndra can't be, because she has like a pretty huge power spike at 6 when she gets her ult. That's a lot more burst damage that she, she is pushing through. Um, but then also the Thresh. I'm not a big fan of that pick. Um, I would have... I, I gotta go back and look at picks and bans. Alistar was open this game. 
I'm pretty sure Alistar received some nerfs, which is why we haven't really seen it at all recently. But that's a playmaking champ that can do stuff early. So I'd actually like to challenge your dislike of this draft a little bit. And I'm going to frame it in the form of a question. If IMT plays a standard comp into C9, what percentage chance do they have to win? Probably like a 5% chance. But like, I'm not really asking them to play a standard comp. It's just like It looks like they want to go for dive, but I feel like not all of their champions fit the dive comp. Another champion that's open here, and I know that like they're kind of looking for the early pressure, but another champ that's open is the Kaisa, which actually fits into the dive comp. Um, like I, I just I feel like there could have been some improvements made. I think with the Nocturne and Thresh, this may have even been less of a dive focused comp, and more of instead maybe a pick comp, where they blow up one to two targets. And then just have the upper hand. Yeah. I, I can kind of see it. It's just with the current meta, that's not a thing. Yeah. I... Um, and, and I get what you're saying with like Immortals trying to go for something different. Because obviously playing like a, a normal comp or a front to back comp or anything is not going to work. Um, but I feel like if they just committed to like an actual dive comp instead of a quote unquote pick comp, it, it that even might have been a better look. I don't know. It, it's tough. Because even getting picks against Cloud9 is crazy hard. Yeah, I think you're inherently at a disadvantage no matter what strategy you try to go for because Cloud9 is good at everything. Right? Like, pick comps don't work against good vision control. They're bad in the meta right now. Dive comps, Cloud9 is very good at playing with or against. You're kind of shoehorned no matter what because you're playing a good team. Yeah. That's fair. This, you know, make make no mistake. Despite us sort of talking down the comp a little bit from IMT, C9 did play immaculately. Yeah, I think they had like a couple mistakes. Um, you can tell that this isn't a comp that they play like that often. Um, I feel like at times they looked a little uncomfortable on it. But, uh, I mean, they showed that they can play it. Like, it, it definitely was by no means bad. Um I, I feel like there's a couple improvements that they can make. Just, like, comparing... Because, like, this is a comp that you would see, like, TL pull out, right? And TL, I think, looks way better on this comp than Cloud9 did. Um, so I feel like there are some improvements that, that can still be made playing a comp like this, a draft like this. But um, really happy to see a, a bit more diversity from them. For sure. And especially heading into playoffs, too. This was a strong performance as the last game. They have momentum off of a win... They've shown something different. I think they're in a good spot moving into playoffs. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I, I'm excited. I think they are the the strongest looking team going to playoffs. Like their their record shows it as well. And they're gonna be playing a hundred thieves. Do you want to move into the playoff bracket now? Yeah, so let, let's look at uh at the bracket and who's gonna be facing off against who. Um the first match is actually going to be the TSM versus Team Liquid, and I think that is a banger to kick it off with. Absolutely. I, th I think that uh, both of these teams have sort of gone through peaks and valleys over the course of this season. Both definitely look like they're at a high right now, though. I was just going to say that. Both look like they're peaking right now. TSM historically has had sort of a playoff buff going into this sort of this 
postseason, even though it's it's midseason. Um, historically, no matter how bad the regular season is, they always sort of manage to pull everything together. Um, and I think we saw that this week, aside from the Evil Geniuses game. It's a little worrying because they lost against the sixth seed and then beat two teams that are already out of playoffs. Um, whereas I, I think TL looked a little sturdier overall. What's your take on that? I agree. Yeah. Like, I, I feel like I, like you, 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 I think you, you did a pretty good job of laying it out. Uh, I, I don't think I really have much else to, to add. Like, I, I think that's, that's it. Uh, and then C900 T, I feel like a hundred thieves is still struggling to find their identity as a team. This is a team that did sort of the opposite of what TSM did. They started out the season very strong and just sort of fell flat on their face halfway through. <laughs> yeah, I think um, I, I really want to see 100 Thieves put Demonte back in for playoffs. I very much so agree with you. I don't think it'll be enough still. <laughs> I think Cloud9 just look far better. But I, I think that like as a team, as a whole, they just look a lot better when they have Demonte. Do you think there will be a possibility to see a flip-flop in the mid lane over the course of the series of games? I think that these are best of threes. So in a best of five, I can see it being like Demonte for like one, three, and five. And then Ryoma for the other games type thing. I feel like if they're going to swap, they should start with Ryoma just because that's who they've been playing with more recently. So that's probably who they have like better synergy with uh to to start off with at least and then like if things are going downhill switch to demonte i feel like overall they should just have demonte in for the whole thing though yeah i definitely feel like they've looked better with demonte um overall though i think they'll be lucky to take a game tops off of c9 my prediction for that series is going to be 3-1 in favor of c9 yep i agree <laughs> um we have seen like C9 falter. Otherwise, I would just go 3-0. Um, I, I, as I mentioned before, I think Cloud9's weakness, and it's a really hard one to exploit, but I think Cloud's weakness is just tilting Sven. Because we see if he dies early once or twice, um, he doesn't look the same as he normally does. Like, he'll still perform fine, um, I think even a tilted Sven is better than most ADCs in North America right now. But when he's tilted, he is not like the best ADC in North America like he normally is. And it makes it a lot easier to deal with Cloud9 overall if you're able to get him tilted. I agree with you. However, I don't think this is the team that's going to be capable of pulling that off. Looking at the... It, it'll be pretty tough, for sure. Yeah, l looking at the, the jungle and the bot lane, I don't think FBI and Huhi are going to do it by themselves. And I don't think that Closer is going to be impactful enough. I, I think, if anything is the X factor, it's going to be Closer's impact on the lanes. Yeah. But in comparison to Blabber, I do not think he is going to be able to eke out an advantage especially if C9 keep up the, this insane early pressure of late invades that they've shown for a, a few weeks. Now. I, I really enjoy that they've been doing those. Um, like, 
it's kind of insane when you have a team with Zven and Perks, but Blabber is the guy for, for Cloud9. <laughs> like, if you get him ahead, it becomes so incredibly difficult for the enemy team to do anything because he plays so insanely well with a lead and, and just, like, pressuring that lead. Yeah, that's the snowball for C9. I mean, if any team gets behind, they're, they're just screwed, basically. Oh, man. Um, and then, really quickly, what's your prediction uh, game-wise for the TSM series? In my notes, actually, I have TL versus TSM very spicy. 100 Thieves versus C9, much less spicy. <laughs> um, it's hard. I, I think this is going to be a really, really close series. Part of me wants to say 3-1 to Liquid. You know, you know, I have to go with TSM because TSM is my team. It'd be like you betting against Cloud9. But, but I think I think it's gonna be three two TSM. Yeah, yeah. I I feel like the areas TSM are weak at, in particular skirmishing in river, um, and also to a lesser extent early game. I think C uh, I think TL will be able to exploit. I oh man, there's. There's one thing that I feel like pushes TL over TSM with this matchup. And it's that Jat is a smart coach. And I think he's going to ban Azir. I think that's fair. I, I think Azir definitely gets banned. <laughs> and I think for that reason, I'm going to go 3-1 to TL. But if for some reason they brain fart and forget that that champion exists... Uh, then it'll be, like, way, way closer. But even in that 3-1, I think the games are going to be pretty damn close. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely, if you're listening and these games haven't happened yet, tune in this weekend. This is, I think, probably the series of the playoffs. I I don't think there's going to be a closer, more exciting series, save for maybe the final. Well, I mean, like, this next round, because it's going to end up being most likely Cloud9 against TL or TSM, which will also be pretty damn spicy. Um, but for these two teams to meet in the first round is 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 nuts. <laughs> yeah, and I think whoever loses this series between TL and TSM will meet C9 in the final. I hope so. <laughs> um, is that how it works? Yeah, so, so the way that the bracket works this year... Um, the winners of these two games will move on to play each other on the 3rd, uh, April 3rd. The losers will move to the losers bracket. Uh, I'm not sure exactly. Oh, okay, so uh, 100 Thieves is going to play Dignitas. And then whoever loses between TSM and TL will play Evil Geniuses. Um, and then the winner of those matches play each other. Um, so looking at this, there is actually potential to see a rematch between TSM and Team Liquid on the 10th. Oh, man. There is. Yeah. <laughs> and then the 10th, um, whoever wins between Cloud9 and either TSM or TL will play whoever wins between, like, that loser's bracket, Victor. And then the winner of that plays, um, will play in the finals. Yeah. Uh, in, in short, for the listeners, because I kn I know we're a little confusing when we're explaining it, trying to figure things out ourselves. 
look up the bracket. It's a simple double elimination. We're making it more complicated than it needs to be just because we're trying to theory craft what teams are going to play where. <laughs> it's a simple yeah. double elimination. Don't worry about it too much. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Any final notes? No, just uh, tune into that series if you have the opportunity. Uh, it's going to be a banger. Yeah, it's it's going to be a good one. I think playoffs overall is going to be really fun this year. For uh, Sorry, not playoffs. MSS. It's the mid-season showdown. The rebrand. <laughs> I hate it. I hate it so much. I'm excited, though. Just call it what it is. <laughs> I know. Uh, I'm excited. It's going to be some good games, I hope. Uh, thank you for listening. If you want to follow me on social media, check me out on Facebook and Instagram at Will Rolling on Air, and I'm on Twitter at Will Rolling Live, which is also my Twitch. I play League on there sometimes. Check that out as well. Josh, where can we find you? Um, I'm gonna stream again eventually. I swear. Uh, you can follow me on Twitch at Twitch.tv/Snapcaster13. Thank you for listening, and stay safe.